Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Daniel. The Old Testament book of Daniel and Daniel chapter number 9. The book of Daniel in chapter number 9. We are at the very beginning of our series dealing with the Millennial Kingdom, the thousand year reign of Christ. And before we hit the message proper, the whole series, we need to do some preparatory work. And part of this preparatory work is that we have to understand the backbone, the framework dealing with prophecy. And inside of the book of Daniel, we have, God paints or gives a very big structure dealing with the events of prophecy in the future. How do we look forward to these study of last things? And as we examine this morning that God gave a loose idea of history in Daniel chapter 2 and then it's repeated again in Daniel chapter 7 dealing with the world empires and that as Nebuchadnezzar had this vision of the <coughs> as the statue that it represented each of these world empires. Now, for Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, it was future prophecy. For us, we can look back and see it as history and understand that because of the rest of it being fulfilled, we can expect the future events to be fulfilled as well. As we come to the book of Daniel, chapter number 9, we now come to one of the most important prophetic passages in all of Scripture because this is the backbone of all biblical prophecy. That when we have this framework settled, when we have this framework built up, that all of prophecy that is found throughout the rest of the scriptures will be fulfilled within this framework that is given in the book of Daniel. And so if you do not mind, take your copy of the word of God and look with me in the book of Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel chapter number 9. And notice with me in Daniel chapter 9 starting at verse number 20. Daniel chapter 9 in verse number 20, the word of God says this. <coughs> And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sins of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications and the commandment come forth, I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision." Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make a reconciliation for 
iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. And threescore and two weeks the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the couple... And the people of the prince shall come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. That he may confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. For the overspreading of the abominations shall he make desolate. Even until the consummation that is determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible. Would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Daniel chapter number 9. The book of Daniel chapter number 9. And notice with me in Daniel 9 in verse 24. And notice the phrase. 70 weeks 70 weeks and with the Lord's help we'd like to explore Daniel chapter 9 in this passage here with the vision of the 70 weeks the vision of the 70 weeks if you don't mind let's go to the Lord together and let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're just asking that you would just give us much wisdom and understanding. Just like you sent your your angel to come down and tell Daniel what is happening. We're asking that your Holy Spirit would come down and give illumination to the scriptures. And that you would open up our understanding, open up our hearts. Help us to understand how important this is to get the framework, the backbone of all of prophecy set in order. And that because of this, we can now understand the rest of prophecy that this is placed in order. Help me to be able to communicate this as clearly as possible. And again, knowing my own shortcomings, knowing my own failings, knowing my own weaknesses, I know that I am unable. So once again, I depend and ask that you fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Please get your work accomplished. Please let this be understood And help us to understand how important this passage is when we deal with the idea of prophecy and future events for us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in the beginning of this passage in Daniel chapter 9, we see that Daniel is in Babylon. And Daniel, being a good believer, has been reading his Bible. And he got through reading in the prophecy of The book of Jeremiah. Notice with me at the very beginning of Daniel chapter number 9. And notice with me in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face to the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So what happened is that Daniel has been keeping a calendar. Remember that Daniel was taken captive by the Babylonians in 605 BC. And 
Jeremiah, in the midst of this, had given a prophecy in the book of Jeremiah by God saying that this, this time of captivity, the Babylonian captivity, would only last 70 years. And so Daniel has been keeping track in his calendar and as he was reading in his Bible, he said, you know what? The 70 years is up. This is great. And so he did like any of us should have done. He got on his knees and began to pray. And he began to talk to the Lord and said, God, you said that this would only last for 70 years. Now, what is next for your people? What do you have in store for your people now? What is going to happen? And he began to confess the sins of the people, recognizing that why they got put in captivity in the first place is because people were disobedient to the Bible, that they were there because of their sins, because they didn't want to get right. And Daniel spends some time pouring out his heart, pouring out and confessing these sins, pouring out himself and Saying, God, what is next? God, what is going to happen? The 70 years is up. Now what? And in the midst of his prayers, God sent an angel by the name of Gabriel. And Daniel's praying. He's concentrating on praying. Daniel sneaks up behind him and taps him and says, All right, Daniel, you want to hear what the answer is? Can you imagine what that would be like to be praying and all of a sudden an angel tap you and say, all right, you want to hear what the answer is? Here you go. Notice again in verse number 20. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. By the way, the holy mountain of God is Jerusalem. And what's going to happen is that this is going to be answered all concerning Jerusalem and the people Israel. Verse 21. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth. So as you Begin to pray. God says, all right, we're not even waiting. Gabriel, you go talk to him. So as soon as you begin to say, dear Heavenly Father, God had already sent Gabriel. And so in the midst of his prayers, he had already spent some time praying. Here's Gabriel behind him, tapping him and said, all right, here we go. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number um, 23 again. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I came to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Now this is also important because the God wanted Daniel and thus also the reader of this vision. He wants us to understand. The thing about prophecy that some people imagine is they imagine that prophecy is so vague that it could fit any situation. But that is not true for Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy is always very very specific and it only fits one criteria and an ultimate fulfillment notice with me in verse number 24 70 weeks are determined upon my people now this is important as it's talking about 70 weeks that when it discusses in a different passage giving us an understanding that this 70 weeks is 70 weeks of prophetic weeks or what we would call it it would be weeks of years so in this case we would understand that one week would equal seven years so one week equals seven years so keep that in mind as we deal with the prophecy that one week 
would equal seven years. Now, this is going to be important as we deal with the idea of dates and times because God doesn't throw around dates and times as something that's arbitrary. He does it something because it's very, very specific. And so if we understand that this is dealing with 70 weeks, I know some of you didn't come this morning. You didn't come for history, but you got history. Now you get to do math class. So if, if each week equaled uh, seven years, what would happen if you had 70 weeks? How many weeks of years would that be class? That would be 490 years. 490 years. So 70 weeks would equal 490 years. Now again, this is a very specific time frame that God is speaking about. And so what's going to happen in the next several verses is going to cover a period of 490 years, 70 weeks of years, 70 weeks of prophecy, which would be 490 years. Now, this is important to understand as we deal with this idea of prophecy. Now, this is going to serve as a timeline of the different events that are going to occur. Notice, if you don't mind, as we continue in verse number 24, there's some other things that we need to understand as we begin. It says in verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now we understand that as this prophecy is being announced, who this prophecy is concerning. As he is talking to Daniel, Daniel is considered of what peoples? He would be considered a Jew or an Israelite. He comes from the country of Israel. So he says these 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. We now know the audience of this. This is dealing with Israelite people, the Hebrew people. In addition, it further clarifies this. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. What is the holy city that is being referred to? This is the holy city of Jerusalem. The holy city of Jerusalem. So when we understand this time frame of prophecy, we have to understand this is not dealing with Gentile people. Now, Gentile people will be a part of history and we will be affected by these prophecies. But we have to understand that if we're going to have a correct interpretation of biblical events, we have to understand, first of all, that this prophecy of the 70 weeks is dealing primarily with the Hebrew people, with the Israelite people and Jerusalem as the center. This, if you do not get this one point, if you get to the place where you don't have this framework that this is dealing with the Hebrew people and you believe that it's dealing with the church, dealing with Gentiles, you are going to have a totally different and messed up frame for the puzzle of prophecy that is being fulfilled. You will not have the correct framework and therefore you could get the pieces in the wrong places. Does that make sense? So we have to understand that as we're talking about the 70 weeks, that first of all, we understand that each week represents seven years. That it is a week 
of years, a week of prophecy. And so that 70 weeks is dealing with 490 years. By the way, these are literal years, not spiritual years. They are not dealing with something that's made up. They're made up they're with actual calendar years. So the time frame that we are dealing with is covering 490 years. That is very specific. The second principle we have to understand is that this vision of the 70 weeks is dealing with the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, Primarily dealing with the idea of the city of Jerusalem. If you do not have these two things set in order, then your view of prophecy, of eschatology, the study of last things, is going to be totally off. And by the way, most of the prophetic preachers that you hear out there, for the most part, I'm putting a blanket statement out there, are off because they do not have this framework centered and and molded, cemented, put down. That if you don't have this framework, then what happens, you could put the puzzle pieces wherever you want and you get a crazy, unbiblical view of prophecy. Now, as we examine this some more, notice there are some purposes. There are some accomplishments that God wants to have accomplished during these 70 weeks of years. Notice in verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression. Notice this. To make an end of sins. This is the first purpose of the 70 weeks here is to make an end of sins. What is God trying to get accomplished during this vision of prophecy? He wants to make an end of sins. Notice as we see a second thing here. Not only to make an end of sins. To make a reconciliation for iniquity. To make a reconciliation for iniquity. So God wants to cause it. So sin no longer has a penalty. To make an end of sins. Second thing of all that he's trying to get accomplished. Is that he wants to make a reconciliation. For iniquity. For sins. To make it so that way we as man. Specifically the Jewish people. The Hebrew people. Can have reconciliation with God. And we're thankful that Jesus Christ. Is the one that brings that reconciliation. Notice there's a third purpose for this. 70 weeks of prophecy. First of all, to make an end of sin. Second of all, to make a reconciliation for iniquity. Third of all, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. To bring in everlasting righteousness. So this vision here, part of what's going to be accomplished here, is to bring everlasting righteousness. A fourth purpose of this 70 weeks is also to seal up the vision and the prophecy. Basically, to finish up prophecy. So this gives us an understanding that the prophecy that is being given here, this is given the framework to finish all prophecy. This is the framework of all prophecy. And at the very end of it, it's going to capstone what the prophecy and the fulfillment of it. Then there's a fifth thing in verse number 24. And to anoint the most holy. And to anoint 
the most holy. And we understand that from the rest of prophecy in scripture in Daniel. That this is to bring in Jesus Christ. To anoint him as king. And begin his reign on earth for a thousand years. And so these are the things that are going to be accomplished. During these 49 days. So 490 years. These five things are going to be accomplished during this time frame. So again, we have the framework of prophecy that we know who this is being made to. To the Jewish people specifically dealing with the city of Jerusalem. We know second of... um, That this is dealing with weeks of years. That each week represents uh, seven years. Then we understand that there are purposes... To this. And that God wants through this entire 490 years. He has a specific purpose. That he wants to be accomplished during this time. So if you don't mind. Now that we've got the preparatory work. Now let us see the framework that God gives in this prophecy. Notice first of all. The very first event that we find that God gives We find in verse number 25. Know therefore and understand that the going forth from the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. So here is the first pillar. The very first. This is when the calendar start. If you were going to have a stopwatch, this is when you would start it. This is when you would click it. This is when you would push it in. So when do you start the stopwatch? When does this 490 years, when does the 70 weeks of prophecy begin? It begins during the decree to rebuild, to restore Jerusalem. Know therefore and understand that the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. Now what this what happens here is that this decree is given to rebuild Jerusalem was sent by the king of Persia to send Nehemiah to start first of all by rebuilding the walls. And Nehemiah arrived on the scene, this is going to be important, and 400 and 45 BC. 445 BC. By the way, we see that recorded inside of the book of Nehemiah. We could see those events and what occurred. That's why the book of Nehemiah is such an important biblical event. Now, during Daniel's time, this is still future. That's not yet happened yet. It's still in his future. We can look back at our past and we can see, look, this is that exact prophecy that, Jer- that Nehemiah was sent on the scene. And he's going to rebuild the walls. And after they rebuild the walls, they're going to start rebuilding Jerusalem. This is when the stopwatch starts. This is when you begin. This is when it happens. 490 years are going to occur starting at four, 445 BC is when the stopwatch starts. Nehemiah has been sent. He's arrived at the scene. And we now watch as history starts to unfold. Notice in verse 25. The first pillar was to the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. Now we come to the second pillar of this. Notice with me in verse 25 again. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem... Unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall 
even in troublous times. So the next event that we find is when the, the um, rebuilding of Jerusalem was finally completed. That this rebuilding of Jerusalem was finally com- uh, finished. And it happens about the same time as Nehemiah, the pro- or not Nehemiah, Malachi the prophet, the last prophet. And this is going to occur at 300, 396 B.C. 396 B.C. Ah. <coughs> what this is going to cover here in this time frame, is going to cover seven weeks. Seven weeks of prophecy. Notice as it said this here in verse 25. Know therefore and understand from the going forth from the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. Start the watch. Unto the Messiah shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. We're going to cover the three score and two weeks in the next verse. Here we see the seven weeks. So from the time to to start rebuilding Jerusalem to the time that the restoration is complete is seven weeks. Now, if you were going to take the weeks and turn them into years, how many years would that be, class? 49 would be correct. So this is going to come to 49 years. Seven weeks of prophecy or 49 years of actual time. By the way, does history back that up? It absolutely does. And so it just so happens that Nehemiah, or sorry, that Malachi, the last Old Testament prophet, finishes up his ministry about that time. And now you're going to have about four hundred years approximately of silence until Jesus Christ comes on the scene. Notice as we come to the next event. So the next event, the next pillar, we now see in verse number 26. And after three score and two weeks. So here we already have the event of three score and two weeks. Remember a score is going to be 20, and so three score would be 60, so 62 weeks. 62 weeks have passed. For those of you who are math people, how many years would that be? 434 years. All right, so what happens during this time? Well, notice with me in verse 26 again. And after the three score and two weeks shall Messiah, that's Jesus, be cut off. And not for himself, but the people of the prince shall come. All right. So what we're going to see at this time is the time of the triumphant entry and death of Jesus Christ. Remember the last week of Jesus Christ's earthly life. Is that he steps into Jerusalem. And the people begin to say Hosanna. Praise to the king. And they worship him as king. And just a week later they're saying crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And wouldn't you know. That the date worked out to be exactly. What happen in calendar time that we now come to 3 or 33 AD and that worked out exactly like it happened in history that the 434 years that's going to bring us 
to 33 AD. Now, we're not going to get this complicated, but we understand that in the Jewish calendar, they don't work off of a solar calendar. They work off a lunar calendar. Basically, they base their calendar, their monthly calendar, off the moon. That would make it 30 days. Someone has actually calculated to the day from the time that Nehemiah stepped on the scene to the exact day when Jesus goes in steps into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. It is exactly the, these many years even broke out two days. And it worked out to the day. You'd almost think that God knew what he was doing when he gave us a calendar. You'd almost think that God was able to see all of history and to show it to be so precisely. Now again, that's not a vague prophecy. That is a pretty specific prophecy that could not have happened by chance. But it was exactly what God had told and sent forth. And so we see that we have the triumph of entry, then the death of Jesus Christ. Now something happens is that if you total these together, we would have 69 weeks that have passed. The stopwatch started. Then what happens as soon as Jesus Christ dies on the cross, the stopwatch pauses. God is not finished with the calendar. He just now has a pause. And remember that for the things that we learned before is that first of all, that each of these weeks represented seven years. Each week represented seven years. The second thing that we had to learn preparatory wise is that this is primarily dealing with the Hebrew people. So this calendar of events is dealing with the Hebrew people. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, God put a pause on the time frame. He also put a, a pause on the audience. That all the way up from the Old Testament to the death of Christ, God is primarily dealing with the Hebrew people. Now that the pause is here, God switches his attention from the Hebrew people to the Gentile people. This is why the Bible calls this parenthetical phrase. The time of the Gentiles. We would often call it. The church age. The church age. This is a parenthetical. You guys know what a parenthetical. Now you're saying we've heard history. We've done math. Now you want to teach us grammar. A parenthetical thought is a break within a thought. And so the stopwatch starts. The stopwatch stops. It stops. Now we're waiting for the time that the stopwatch starts again. But until it begins, we have a time frame called the church age. That the church as an institution, had a specific beginning, that's Christ and his disciples, and it will have a definite end, that is the rapture. The rapture is the definite end of the church age. We'll get more into that in a second. But what we have here is a 2,000 year plus pause in God's calendar. God hasn't forgotten his calendar. He's going to pick it back up. But this is important to understand prophecy that God has put a pause and that he is dealing with the Gentile people. Notice what occurs in verse number 26. And after the three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come and destroy the city. What city have we been talking about the whole time? Jerusalem. 
and the sanctuary, and the end shall be with a flood, and unto the war of desolations are determined. So what happens in the, in the midst of this church age, that in 70 AD, Titus, who will become a Roman emperor, he's a Roman general right now, destroys the city of Jerusalem, destroys the temple, and the temple has never been rebuilt since that time. And this is an important event that God says it here in his calendar. Guess what's going to happen to Jerusalem? It's going to be destroyed again. Just like the Bible said. And this occurs in 70 AD. And the Jewish people are on pause. The Jewish people are unable to worship the way that they believe God wants them to until they get the temple back. They cannot build the temple now because the, the Muslim shrine, the Dome of the Rock, sits on that same piece of real estate. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the Jewish people, they're on pause. They're on hold. They're in a, in a flight pattern. They're waiting to land. They're waiting for the calendar to begin. And it will begin once again. Notice if you don't mind as we now pick up the prophecy and pick it up in verse number 27. And he, this is going to be the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So what is going to happen is that we're going to have a time frame where the calendar begins once again. And it is going to cover one week. If you remember that we've already had 69 weeks already come and go. 69 weeks are accounted for. We have one more week left to fulfill the 70 weeks. So 69 weeks of history have passed. It has been paused and we're waiting for it to unpause. Or how do we unpause this? What is the next event? What is the event that occurs? Well, notice again in verse 27. And he, this is going to be understood as the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, who is this many? Who is we referring to? What is the people that we're referring to in this whole context? The Hebrew people. The Jewish people. That the Antichrist is going to make a formal agreement with the Hebrew people to rebuild their temple. As soon as that agreement happens, the watch becomes unpaused. As soon as that happens, the tribulation, what we would call the tribulation, that's what this one week is, we call it the tribulation. The Bible calls it the time of Jacob's troubles. This last week, the 70th week of Daniel, now is unpaused and now begins once again to run out the rest of time. Now, remember, before this event, before the covenant happens, the church age is going to end with the rapture. We're going to be raptured out. Remember, the tribulation does not begin with the rapture. It begins with a peace agreement with the Antichrist and the Jewish people. The church people, those who are saved, will be gone through the rapture before this happens. There is a small amount of time. We don't know how long, but there is a small window of time between the rapture and the official peace agreement. But as soon as the Antichrist makes the peace agreement with the Jewish people. The stopwatch begins. The last week begins to be fulfilled. This last week which is one week of seven years. 
occurs. And this event that starts it is the Antichrist covenant with Jerusalem. But we're not finished yet. Notice with me in verse number 27 again. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, that means the middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate. So what happens is that the Antichrist is going to make a peace agreement with the Jewish people and saying, let's rebuild your temple once again. Now, we understand that the Bible gives many other puzzle pieces, prophecy pieces that explains all kinds of details. What happens to the Muslim people? What happens to Russia? There's other things going on. That's in a different thing. But those all happen. Those are puzzle pieces that are filled in within the frame. But what happens is the peace agreement happens. The, the Antichrist authorizes them to rebuild the temple. And it takes them three and a half years for them to rebuild their temple. At the end of the three and a half years, in the middle of the week, the Antichrist, when it is, the temple is completed, the Antichrist is going to sit in the midst of the temple and he's going to declare himself to be God. This is such an important event that throughout the scriptures, both old and new, this event is called the abomination of desolations. This is an important event. This is the time where the Antichrist declares himself to be God. The Jewish people will realize this was not our Messiah in the first place. And they are going to turn to God and to Jesus Christ. Now remember, what is the purpose of... Of this weak thing anyways. To bring the Jewish people to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. To bring them to have a reconciliation of God. To make an end of sins. This is what God's purpose was. And so the tribulation. This is important. The tribulation is not for the Gentile people. Even though many Gentiles will get saved. The tribulation is not for the church people. Because the church people will be raptured out. The tribulation's main emphasis is the Hebrew people. Because God once again is trying to reach out to the Hebrew people people to get them saved to let them know and these are the events that must occur before the Hebrew people finally realize that Jesus was the Messiah after all notice as it continues on in the verse 27 and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and the overspreading of the abominations he shall make it desolate uh, even until the consummation the ending of it and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate and so this is going to bring us all the way in to the end of this period and the beginning of the millennial kingdom. That Jesus Christ is going to come back. At the very end of this age. And at the millennium kingdom. Is the fulfillment of the promises. That God has made. To the Hebrew people. And so as we begin this. This is the backbone of all of prophecy. If you do not have this backbone correct. If you do not have this backbone set into order. Then all of the prophecy that you may learn about. Or that someone else may try to go up there. These puzzle pieces will not fit in the right place. You must have this in correct order. What are the things that have to be in order? We have to understand that first of all. That this is a week of years. That each week represents seven years. And it works out in our history. We can look at our history. And look see the 69 years have been fulfilled. Just like God said they would. We have one more week yet to be fulfilled. 
The second thing we have to realize is that God is dealing with the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, and specifically with the city of Jerusalem. If you do not recognize that this is for the Hebrew people, then your whole view of end times is going to be knocked around and not be correct. The third thing that we understand is that God has a purpose for this entire time. And the purpose is to bring the Hebrew people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. To have them reconciled with God. To have their sins forgiven. And all the rest of prophecy in the Old Testament knew deal with this subject. We understand as a fourth thing that there was a pause. That God's calendar was stopped. It was paused. At the time that Jesus Christ died. And we are waiting for the stopwatch to begin one last time. And there is a specific event that will stop it. And it will run out until the millennium kingdom. That there is only one more week of prophecy that remains. Only seven more years of prophecy that remain. Until God brings in the age. Brings in his millennial kingdom to fulfill The promises he made to the Hebrew people. Now again I know this is a lot. But this is vital to understand. That if we're going to get a correct view of eschatology. The study of last things. If we're going to understand what is ahead in prophecy. We have to understand these events. What is occurring. What is happening. And when this is clear. The rest of prophecy is going to fit into its places. Into each of its pieces. Into each of its slots. Clearly. Instead of just guessing where they go, we could put the puzzle pieces exactly where they could. Now again, tonight was more informational. Tonight was more just explaining what the Bible said, so that way we have a framework to base off of. But at the same time, we don't want to lose sight of a great God that we have. That there's a God who sees all of history. And there's a God who just doesn't see history in generality, generalities. He sees history specific. He saw all of these events and was able to record it. Not only did he see all of these events, but he was also to say when these events will occur. This was specific to the day when they happened. We have a wonderful God. We have a God who knows what he's doing. We have a God who understands history. We have a God who also sees our future. And we can depend upon him. And we can rely upon him. We have a God who's given us scriptures. So we can understand the final events. And why should we understand the final events? Because we want to understand that God wants to make an end of sin. To make reconciliation for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness. To seal up the vision and prophecy. And to anoint the most holy. That we're looking forward to the same promises. That Jesus Christ is coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years. Which brings you the question. Are you ready? What do I mean by that? Well first of all. Are you 100% sure that your sins are forgiven? Are you 100% sure you would be going to the millennium kingdom? Well, you can know and the Bible wants you to know. Second of all, are you ready? We understand that the preaching of the millennium kingdom has three different audiences. That first of all, for those who are not saved, the preaching of the millennium kingdom brings them to a place where they realize they need to get saved. 
For the Jewish people, the preaching of the millennium kingdom brings them to the place where they're encouraged that God is going, not done with them, but that God still has a plan for them in his time frame. But third of all is for those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. We understand that the preaching of the Millennium Kingdom does something else for us. And that lets us realize that what we do in this life will affect the other life. That we either live for the temporal or we live for the eternal. That what we do here today will affect how we live for a thousand years. And there will be some people who will enjoy the millennium kingdom more than others. We're not talking about heaven and perfection. We're talking about here back on this earth set to regard Naveen conditions. That there are some people who have more rewards. There are some people who enjoy themselves more. And this series is going to tell us of our responsibility. That what we are faithful in today is going to affect what we're faithful in later. And up in the, up in the other side of um, the tribulation in the millennium kingdom, there are going to be a lot of Christians who are saved, forgiven of their sins, but they did nothing for the Lord. And they're just going to be trusted with sweet street sweeping. That's what they're going to be doing for a thousand years. That's their job. Because they weren't faithful. They weren't trustworthy on this earth. And so God didn't trust him with things on the other side. What we do matters. Someone said it like this. That what we have on this earth is an internship. And the other side we have the job that we qualified for. There are some people who are going to be ruling cities. And ruling underneath King Jesus. And we're going to talk more about that within the series. But unfortunately there are going to be some Christians who did nothing for the Lord. And in the millennium kingdom for a thousand years, they're going to reap that loss of rewards because they were not found faithful. So I bring the question up to you again. Are you ready for the millennium kingdom? First of all, do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Second of all, are you found faithful? Are you ready to go to the millennium kingdom and enjoy the rewards you have stacked up? Or do you need some time to start where you are? And to move forward to be found faithful of the Lord right now. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.